Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Ben Pitney continues in Matthew chapter 24, verses 9 through 14, with the message titled, The Gospel of the Kingdom. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. terms of uh, our heroes and what we want from a hero and who's a hero, what defines a hero. And I think that if you go back to the time of Jesus as he launches his ministry, we're going to talk about that today. What you find is that uh, people had an idea in their head of Messiah and what he was going to do and um, and there was a tremendous amount of misunderstanding, a huge amount of misunderstanding about Jesus, who he is, and, and, and what God's actual plan for, uh, for the world really was. And so we're going to get to kind of see that today. And kind of where we were last week, talking uh, through our mission, our mandate to reach all the peoples um, in the world, all the nations. Um, we had the Yodases here, and we kind of talked through that a little bit because um, we need to think globally. We need to think bigger than uh, generally we do. We're usually pretty myopic and focused on our stuff, right? Focused on our, our, our little sphere. I know all about that. We, we, Lynn and I moved um, this last week, and it was painful. <laughs> it was a painful thing. Uh, and we got really focused on our stuff and, and really probably lost sight of everybody around us because you're just consumed. And it's so easy to do that. Just get consumed with your little world. Um, and it's much bigger than that. And so God has something in mind here that I think that we absolutely misunderstand most of the time. So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 24, and let's look at just a few verses here. I'm going to extract, uh, draw the truth out of the text, so I want you to um, try really hard to look for yourself in the, in the scriptures. You know, I'm, I've talked about this actually quite a bit with, Kevin and I were talking about this recently. It's, it's my uh, practice or my habit because I think it's, uh, I think we get in bad habits. I I really want you to bring your Bible, and I don't mind if it's an electronic version, you know, on your phone or your tablet or a hard copy. And since sort of this pandemic sort of thing, we pulled all the Bibles out of the auditorium, you know, for obvious reasons, And uh, but I don't want you to get in a bad habit. I, Since we live stream and things, I put more of the scriptures on the screen, and I've got to tell you, I really don't like to do that. Because what it does is it makes you lazy, whether you think it or not, then you just can follow along and you don't ever have to turn there and mark it in your Bible. And I just think it's a bad habit. I want you to bring your Bible and, and I want you to focus on this, you know, for yourself and make notes and underline, dirty up your Bible. So that if I have to do your funeral someday and I ask for your Bible, I don't open it up and go, wow, this is a nice clean one. Right? And I can't find any notes um, in there or any markings and, and things like that. So, so um, 
So get your Bible out and follow along. I'm going to put it up, but don't get in a bad habit. Don't lean on the, the, the screen. You know, I want you to find it for yourself as well, okay? I think that's really important to do. So we're in Matthew chapter 24, and uh, I'm going to start at verse 9, just to, so that you kind of get the entire context, or a lot of it anyway. We'll go through verse 14, and that's really where I want to, and it says, then they will hand you over to be persecuted and will kill you. Sounds pretty great. You'll be, <clears throat> you'll be hated by all the nations because of my name. Then many will be led into sin and they will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many. And because lawlessness will increase so much, the love of many will grow cold. But the person who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom. So that phrase right there, we're going to decide, we're going to really dissect gospel of the kingdom, right? So I would underline that. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole inhabited earth as a testimony to all the nations that could, you could say all the peoples, that's, that's not just countries, all the nations, and then the end will come. So when Jesus is talking about the nations, he means all the people groups. And we talked about last week that there's at least 7,000 people groups that are unreached still in our, in our globe. That's not countries. That's people groups. Um, and that's a big deal. And that's what Jesus, the king, that's who he wants to reach. All right. So let's talk about. What is this, uh, the gospel of the kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? Those two things, those are interchangeable terms. The reason this is an an important um, plan out of Matthew 24 right here, Jesus said the gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole inhabited earth as a testimony to all the nations. So this means that until all the unreached nations, which equals peoples, not countries, like I said, have a, until they have a true, actual, legitimate testimony, a testimony called the gospel of the kingdom, it's the role of every generation of Christ followers to keep pressing forward with proclaiming and teaching it to the world. All right, so this is what we talked about. Our mission and our mandate as Christ followers, as a church, is to press forward and to keep preaching and testifying of the gospel of the kingdom. And we're going to talk about what that is, all right? That means us, specifically us, because there are still today, just like I said, thousands of unreached nations or peoples. And if that is our task, if that's our job, if that's our role... We must know what the gospel of the kingdom is. So we're going to talk about this some more. And it's 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 a concept and it's a and and it's facts um, that I think are misunderstood, just like I said. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about what that is, and I think it's really important for us to study this together more. I think the more you understand your mission, our mission, and actually the gospel, um, 
the better we are at doing what Jesus wants us to do, what God's plan is, all right? So today I want to try to get, get at what the kingdom is by looking back at the Old Testament. We're going to look backwards a little bit. And then we're going to look at the teachings of Jesus. And then we're going to look at the preaching of the early church and see if they all match up, okay? When you look back at the Old Testament, then you see, um, you get to um, see some prophecy that then is fulfilled in Jesus, and then you get to see the early church get their arms around it and preach it, okay? And I think that's really important for us to understand our role then, okay? So my, my first point here is the good news, um, that the time is fulfilled, Good news, just right off the bat, remember, when the scriptures say good news, that is another term or a def defining words for um, the gospel, okay? So first, what does Jesus refer to in verse 14, Matthew 24, when he says, the gospel of the kingdom? What is he referring to? The term gospel of the kingdom, it's used two other times in the New Testament, in two summary statements of Matthew. So Matthew uses it as this terminology as a summary statement about the ministry of Jesus, all right? His mission, his ministry, his, his, his job that God the Father sent him to fulfill. So they're found in Matthew 4.23 and in 9.35. So in 4.23, this is it. You can go there. Here's the two times it's used, the same term. It says, Jesus went through, uh, went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, there's that term, and healing all kinds of diseases and sickness among um, the people. And then if you scroll or flip over to chapter 9 of Matthew, it says, then Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and sickness. So there it is. The word good news instead of gospel means the same exact thing. Those are the same terms, right? So for Matthew, the term gospel of the kingdom, it's a summary phrase of what Jesus preached as he did his ministry throughout the towns and the villages in Palestine. Um, okay, so Mark, another of uh, the three synoptic gospels, Mark gives us a summary of Jesus' message in words that are not exactly the same, but they're the same in substance. So in Mark chapter 1, so you just flip over to the next uh, gospel book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, you find Mark um, using the term like this. He says, now after John was imprisoned, all right, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. So that's the term he used. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is near. So those terms are really important in verses 15, right? The time is fulfilled, I'd underline that, and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. So the gospel is the same as the gospel of the kingdom in Matthew's gospel. So these are the same terms. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. That is, repent and believe the good news, Mark says, right? That the kingdom of God is near. Some of your versions might say it at hand. It means near, 
is right around the corner. Believe that the time is fulfilled. That's important terms right there. Believe the gospel of the kingdom. So the gospel of the kingdom in Matthew 24, 14, and the gospel that will be preached to the nations that we must take to them is the gospel that Jesus preached. It is the good news that the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. Now, this is really important as we approach Advent. Advent will start next Sunday, and we're going to teach through Advent and the expectation of Jesus' coming, right? So, what time is fulfilled? What time is fulfilled? Let's go back to the Old Testament for a few minutes and think about its expectation for the future. So if you're in the Old Testament, before Jesus comes, you have an expectation. And the Old Testament story presents this expectation. What was the Old Testament hoping for? All right. What does it say about the kingdom of God? Let's look. Uh, this is my next point, the Old Testament and future hope. The Old Testament makes it really clear that in one sense, God is now the king over all, and his kingdom is established. All right? Remember, when we talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, these are all God. <laughs> With a different role, but equally all God. All right? Keep this in mind. Psalm 103, verse 19 You can flip back into the Psalms. It's about right in the middle of the Bible. All right. It says, the Lord, the Lord, that is God, the Lord God, has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom extends over everything, over all. That's all of it, all the universe. Psalm 145, just a few um, chapters later in verse 13, your kingdom is an eternal kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. God is now the king over all the universe, all right? He reigns by his sovereign power and nothing happens but by his kingly decree. So what does Jesus mean then that the time is fulfilled or the kingdom of God is near? What does Jesus mean by this? The answer is that the Old Testament hoped for the day when God would not only be the sovereign king in heaven, controlling the, the affairs of sinful man, but would save his people from sin and misery and defeat their enemies and establish righteousness and peace and set up a throne on earth to rule in a more immediate and impersonal way. Now you, you can already tell. You can already see how this could be misinterpreted, right? How it could be misinterpreted right now? Because it's really clear that God would not only be the sovereign king of heaven, but he would be the king of earth, controlling everything on earth, setting everything right, setting everything straight, defeating enemies, establishing peace, establishing a throne here on earth, and rule in a personal way. So, from our understanding of what kings do, you know, I don't think we're any different than in the Old Testament. We, except for we probably watch too many movies about kings and what they do, right? Go to Zechariah 
because Zechariah foretells, prophesies something, tells what's going to happen. The Lord then will be king, Zechariah 14, 9, verse 9, right? The Lord then will be king over all the earth. And in that day, the Lord will be seen as one with a single name. This is really important. One with a single name. What does that mean? In other words, God will one day assert his kingly rule over the earth in a way that he will no longer have competitors. He will be one, the only one, the only one. No other competitors. That sounds pretty dominant to me. So your idea, well, how do you dominate like that? What will take place, right? Isaiah 24, 23 Here's more prophecy from Isaiah the prophet. The full moon will be covered up. The bright sun will be darkened. For the Lord who commands armies will rule on Mount Zion in Jerusalem in the presence of his assembly in majestic splendor. So what's, what's Isaiah saying? He's saying the day's coming when God will set up his kingdom in such a way that the glory of the Lord will be revealed because God of the angel armies, that's going to be an army, man. He's going to take over, ruling from Mount Zion in Jerusalem in splendid and glorious, in a glorious manner, in front of all of his leaders, all of his leaders. Isaiah prophesies this. All right. Let's, let's keep moving. Let's, let's move on to my next point because God is about to deploy his rule in a new way. That's what we find out. We know um, how he, he's going to do this, but let's look for sh- to see for sure. It says this is what Jesus meant now when he said the time is fulfilled, the kingdom is near. All right? God is about to deploy. He's about to wield, in other words, his rule, his authority, his kingly authority in a new way to save his people and to defeat their enemies and reveal his glory in the world. He's about to do this. John the Baptist, now we know about John the Baptist because he's at, he, he comes on the scene in the beginning of the Gospels, right? John the Baptist, he confirms this when he comes because he starts his ministry with the same words in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. John the Baptist in Matthew 3, 2 says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. All four of the Gospels say that John is the fulfillment of Isaiah 40, verse 3. This prophecy that happens 600 years before Jesus comes on the scene. Isaiah says this, he says, A voice cries out, In the wilderness, clear a way for the Lord, construct in the desert a road for our God. Why? Because he's coming as a glorious king. Clear the way, construct a a road for this to happen. Isaiah 40 verse 5, the splendor of the Lord or the glory of the Lord, the majesty of the Lord will be revealed. All people will see it at the same time for the Lord has decreed it. So goodness, you know, all throughout the Gospels, Matthew 3, Mark 1, Luke 3, John 1, all of these Gospels say John the Baptist was declaring that the kingdom of God was just around the corner. So when Jesus says, 
The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. He means that the time has come for God to break into the world like never before. To reveal his splendor in a personal way. To comfort his people. To defeat their enemies. It's called the gospel. This is good news. Because it's such good news for all who repent and trust God. Okay? Now, there's another place where Jesus makes it very clear that his coming is the fulfillment of this long-expected kingdom. In Luke, so we're back in the Gospels, Luke chapter 4, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In Luke chapter 4, it's a really great scene because Jesus is... uh, He's still a boy, a very young man, if you want to call him a young man. Chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. He goes into the synagogue in Nazareth, and he reads the prophecy from Isaiah. Okay? This kid kind of shocks everybody. A little bit like Jacob did. You realize Jacob, how old is Jacob? Is Jacob 12? He was playing the bass today. Did you see that? He just made his debut today. That was magnificent. Kevin's young man. He looks like he's a little older than that. He can't be very old. This is what Jesus comes in the synagogue, and this is what he does. He starts reading the prophecy from Isaiah. Luke 4, 18, 21 is where Luke reaches back to the prophecy in Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. Here's what he says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and the regaining of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. (laughs) And if you keep going, he says, then he rolled up the scrolls. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of everybody in the synagogue were fixed on him. They were were like, what in the world did you just say? Then he began to tell them, today this scripture has been fulfilled even as you heard it being read. Can you imagine? A kid saying that in the synagogue to all these experts in the law. What was he saying? Hey, you know what you guys just witnessed? The time is fulfilled. I'm the one being spoken of here in Isaiah's prophecy. My ministry is the arrival of the long-awaited kingdom of healing and salvation and freedom from oppression. See, God is now revealing himself as king to save and deliver and help like he never has before. And Jesus is that king. And he just told everybody as a kid. And their mouth is just wide open. Like, you got to be kidding me. All right. Let's move on to my... Fourth point, there's, there's a new specific sense of your God reigns. Now, I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 52. So, so Isaiah 52, but just take a look at one other Old Testament text or prophecy that helps us understand the phrase gospel of the kingdom. Isaiah 52, 7, it looks forward to the time when God would 
his, his presence would be established before the eyes of all the nations or people groups and all the ends of the earth would see the salvation of our Lord, all right? Isaiah 52, verse 7 is really important here. I want you to watch for this connection between the gospel and the kingdom. It says, how delightful it is to see approaching over the mountains the feet of the messenger who announces peace a messenger who brings good news, that's the gospel. Who announces deliverance, who says, to Zion, your God reigns. That's the content of the gospel. Your God reigns. See, the gospel message that John the Baptist came to announce and the gospel that Jesus came to fulfill is the message, your God reigns. Reigns. You know, when you hear me say, look, when you become a Christ follower, right, when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you die to yourself and you say, okay, it's not going to go my way anymore. It is your way, God. I'm giving you my life. You give up everything. You die, right? You swear allegiance to the king and the way he wants things to go. That's radical. We've been talking about how radical that actually is, right? You are saying that the God that you believe in, he reigns. He rules here. The gospel message that John the Baptist preaches or announces is just that. Not just the the general sense of reigning as sovereign God over all the universe, like in the Old Testament. But now, in the new sense, specific sense, all right, he's come now at revealing his glory and defeating his enemies and saving his people and establishing peace and righteousness on the earth personally. Personally. This is why we wing around these terms, and, and it's not winging around, but they become cliches after a while, right? A personal relationship with Jesus. God in the flesh now. Okay, so your God range is virtually the same as saying the kingdom of God is near. Or if your version says the kingdom of God is at hand. You could say the kingdom of God is is right here. It's that close. Jesus would have meant the same thing. If he had said, the time is fulfilled, your God reigns. The time is fulfilled, your God reigns. He's here, establishing his kingdom and authority right here. Repent, believe this gospel, this truth, this good news of deliverance and salvation and peace. So, what is the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is the good news that in Jesus God's kingly power and authority is breaking into the world like never before. He is ruling in a new way to save his people from their sins and deliver them from their enemies and reveal his glory or his splendor and establish peace and righteousness in earth. Now, let's go back because they said this could easily be misunderstood, right? And almost everyone did misunderstand it. And I think people misunderstand it today. They did not realize that the victories of the kingdom would be won by suffering and by death. No one saw that coming. 
suffering and death? Wow. But we want, uh, but what we want to make clear is that the gospel of the kingdom is the gospel prophesied in Isaiah 52, 7. And it is the gospel that Jesus preached. And it's the gospel that he told us to preach to all the nations. And it's the gospel that was preached by the early church. The early church, the New Testament church. Everybody wants to go back to the New Testament church and say, wow, churches today, we need to be like, you know, that first century church, which is, it, it, it is a true statement, but it is also the 21st century, and there were no iPhones in the new first century church, right? The way we operate with our methodology is a lot different, so you can't, you got to not confuse methodology with the core princi- first principles of the faith. So... <clears throat> Let's talk about the message of the early church then. There are three important summary statements in the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles apostles that show the preaching of the early church was the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. So in Acts chapter 8 verse 12, we're going to be in Acts for a minute, so just flip over there. Acts chapter 8 verse 12, it says that Philip was preaching in Samaria. Acts 12, it says... But when they believed Philip, as he was preaching the good news, there's that term again, the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they began to baptize both men and women. That's just like saying everybody got baptized because everybody believed. Good news about the kingdom of God is substantially the same as the gospel of the kingdom. All of this is the same message. Acts 19, verse 8, it sums up Paul's preaching in Ephesus like this. So Paul went to Ephesus and started preaching like crazy. Acts 19, 8 says, so Paul entered the synagogue. That's where he usually started. He started, you know, with the religious establishment first. Started with the Jews first. He entered the synagogue. He spoke out fearlessly for three months, addressing and convincing them about the kingdom of God. There's the same terminology. Look how he's preaching about the kingdom of God. In Acts 20, verse 25, when Paul sums up his own ministry in Ephesus, among the elders and the the establishment, he says in Acts 20, 25, he says, And now I know that none of you among whom I went around proclaiming the kingdom of God, The kingdom will see me again. So he's sort of talking about his future. But what's he talking about here? His ministry was a ministry of preaching the kingdom. The kingdom. Then at the very end of the book of Acts, Acts 28, in two verses, verse 30 and 31, at the end of Paul's life when he was under arrest in Rome, his preaching is summed up like this. The end of his life, says Paul lived there two whole years, 28 verses 30 and 31, in his own rented quarters and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with complete boldness and without restriction, just unleashed. In his letters, Paul refers to the kingdom of God 14 times. That's actually a lot for all of his letters. Colossians 4.11, he refers to his partners in ministry as my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. 
He refers to his own ministry in 1 Corinthians 4.20. He says, the kingdom of God doesn't consist of talk but of power. And in Romans 14.17, his, his deepest theological work, he says, the kingdom of God is not food and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's all about the kingdom of, the kingdom of God, <clears throat> the gospel of the kingdom, the good news what does this have to do with me? Well, if you keep walking through this, like I've been on this bent, so to speak, to ensure that we continually recognize or are constantly being reminded, and, and I think through the gospel of Matthew here, that being a Christ follower is radical, we have a radical mission and a mandate. We are commanded. We're included as partners. So we have a role to play that God wants us to play. All right? We're to swear allegiance to the king and no other. What does this have to do with me in light of understanding more and more the gospel? Here, here it is in... in, in I try to whittle this down into some simple things. It's not easy to do, but number one, the gospel of the kingdom. It's foretold or prophesied in the Old Testament, preached by Jesus, brought by Jesus, preached by the early church, and should be preached by us until everyone hears it. That's the biggest implication. That's it. That's in a summary right there. Old Testament, Jesus, New Testament, the early church, our job as well, right here. Preached by us until everyone hears it. So that, that ties, uh, that, that bridges, you know, last week's message to this week. All the peoples of the, all the nations, all the peoples, the unreached people groups of the earth need to hear the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is the good news that at the coming of Jesus, God moved into the world in an unprecedented way. We love to utilize that word unprecedented lately. These are unprecedented times. It's never been like this. I'm not so sure that's true. <laughs> There's just, just as much misunderstanding today as it was then about who Jesus is and his message. Here's the second thing that has to do with us. Since Jesus has come, God is wielding his right to rule in a new and powerful way. He's wielding it now, and part of the way he wields it is through the church. But we are so impotent, it seems like. We are so weak and distracted and consumed by ourselves. We don't represent the king and the kingdom and all of his power and splendor very well because we're so consumed with ourselves. We get so trapped in the methodology and the all kinds of things that don't count for anything, right? I mean, that's true, right? It, I know it's true of me. And I'm not here to bang on that so much. But I believe 
more than ever that Jesus is attacking his enemy, the devil, in new ways. <laughs> He's attacking. Don't think that we're on the defense all the time. We shouldn't be on the defense. Jesus is attacking the devil in all kinds of new ways. He's dealt with sin in a new way. He's gathering a people in a new way. He's empowering his representatives in a new way and wielding it through the church. And I, I don't want to be this weak, wimpy part of the plan do you i want to be the tip of the spear the tip of the sword i think that's god's intention here and in all of this he is reigning as king this is the coming and the advancement of his kingdom and this is good news it is the gospel of the kingdom don't misunderstand how it's going to be it continues to be presented the good news so what does this have to do with me? Here's the last point. Everyone, every one of us, every one of us should turn from all their claims on our, all other claims on our allegiance and surrender to the king of kings. So you got to get rid of whatever else you're sworn allegiance to and, res, and, and repent of all rebellion and faithlessness. Accept the terms of his amnesty and put our trust in the true king. That's where you have to start. Maybe you haven't put your trust in the true king yet. You've been holding on to stuff. You know, um, I just experienced this. It was really painful. It's still painful, I would say. I referred to it just a little bit last week that when Lynn and I started packing up our stuff, I, I'm telling you, you all got one of these in some form or another. It's a junk drawer or a junk cabinet. You know what's collected in that junk drawer, right? All the stuff that is like little pieces of something that broke and you intend to glue it or fix it. And you just put it in there and hope to get to it. All the little things that you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to need this. And then you just put it in there and then you never get to it. And, you, and when you need it, you, you don't even know where it is. In fact, the junk drawer gets so, you know, trying to paw through the junk drawer to find the thing that you're sure is in there is painful. And at the Pitney House, we got a junk drawer and a little junk cabinet. That's all the papers and the documents and the receipts and the, and the booklets and the, and, the, and the manuals and everything that you're hoping to get to and you think you're going to need. And then when you move, you're like, what is this? I don't even have this anymore. We, 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 we keep these little junk drawers of our personal junk. There are other terms for it. And, and we, we hold on to it because it's, it's like this place I don't want anybody else to have or to see or to know about. And it's just junk. And, 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 and I'm telling you, it's, it's a representative of the way we are. You know, our garages are like that. All of our, it, we, we have so many places like this, right, that, that, that have claims on our allegiances, right? And, and we're, our, our lives aren't clean and free of all kinds of stuff and things. It's just a representative of everything else that goes on in our lives. These little corners, these little places that we hold on to. And then we say, you know what, God, you're king of everything but this, we all have that. I know you do. It just, just like I do. 
I'm going to allow you to be king and rule and reign. And I, I, I yeah, I'm a, I swear allegiance to you except for this part right here. I'm going to keep this for myself. I don't like anybody looking in there. Do you like anybody looking in your junk drawer? No. Why would you want anybody to look in there? It's embarrassing. What is this for? I have no idea, but I need it. Because we don't want to trust God with everything. The true king with everything. I think you got to be free of that stuff to proclaim the truth of Isaiah 52, right? <laughs> that our God rules and reigns now, in my life now. You want to change somebody's life? Allow them to see that God truly is king, the only king. You've sworn allegiance to him, and he rules now. He rules now. Who rules your life now? Thank you, Father, for this unbelievable plan, the gospel, this great news. Thank you, Lord. I'm just so incredibly grateful that you would choose to include us in the plan. Lord, we don't want to be an impotent church, a, 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 a weak, wimpy place that does not proclaim that you rule now in a personal way in all of our lives. We know that that's a, a powerful message. We know some are going to be turned off. And not attracted, but we know that many, all the peoples need to hear this message. And, and, and a true, unadulterated testimony of the gospel of the kingdom. That you're not coming back until that's done and fulfilled. So we don't want to get in the way of that. We want to be a part of fulfilling this prophecy. Of preaching and representing and testifying the gospel of the kingdom. Start with us. Use us, God. In Vail. It Vail's growing and expanding and emerging as a beautiful community. Help us to be a light in the midst of darkness and a true, unadulterated testimony of people who've sworn allegiance to the king in this good news, this message. Peace and salvation and rescue from our sin. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Join us next week as we continue in the book of Matthew and start Advent. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com. Thank you.